0: This is a day that the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you for the rain. We thank you for the change of season. We thank you for the crops that grow because of how you designed this earth. And we thank you, Father, for giving us life, for putting your ruah, for giving us spirit breath. And we thank you, Father, that your Ruah, your Holy Spirit, was a part of the formation of this world, along with that part that we call Christ, in whom and through whom and by whom all things are made. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunities that you give us to praise your name, to serve you daily, and also... To listen for your voice. May we tune our hearts and our ears toward you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you've heard the story. A man goes out climbing a mountain and he falls off and he's hanging by a limb. And he's over there and he's yelling, is anybody up there? Help, help. And comes the voice, let go and I'll catch you. Am I on? Okay. Let go and I'll catch you. And he's hanging there for a minute and he goes, anybody else up there? There are times when we can all question God's existence Even if we accept his existence, we can question whether or not he has our best in mind. Does he really care about me? About what's going on in my life? About the struggles that I have? You know what Jesus told his disciples? Jesus told his disciples that he is the good shepherd. And when we follow the good shepherd... His sheep, what? Hear his voice, right? Yes, you're familiar with this from John 10. The man who enters the gate through uh, by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep, and the watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and what? And leads them. Kind of important that we're hearing his voice, Yes. And when he's brought them all out on his own, he goes out ahead of them and his sheep follow them because they know his voice. But here's the question. How can we know that God is speaking to us? Well, we know what Jesus said. Jesus told us that he would if we will follow him. Yes? Think about this. How does a baseball mitt operate? Some of you guys know this. Some of you ladies play softball, maybe even a little baseball. You know this, right? You got that glove. How do you catch a ball? Well, the first thing is you got to be watching the ball, right? Because I know sometimes if I didn't catch the ball, the ball was going to catch me. And then what? You've got to put the glove up and you've got to anticipate so you can close, right? Because you don't catch the ball because the ball hits the mitt. You've got to actually close the mitt, right? Yeah, you see, the mitt catches it when you close it. And if you're not anticipating the ball, you're likely to never catch it. So if we want to hear God's voice, we have to anticipate it. We have to look for it. And then we must respond to it. Unlike us, God's word is totally reliable. It's consistent. God never changes throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Our understanding of him adjusts through time. But that's because we're trying to wrap a finite brain around an infinite being. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is what? All scripture is God-breathed. In fact, you may have in some translations it may say inspired, right? God-breathed. It's Inspired. Have you ever stopped to think about it? It's, it's, it's a metaphor, okay? But what is Paul saying? God has put his ruah into the world, word. That's Hebrew. The word ruah is Hebrew for breath. It becomes known as the word for Spirit. So back in the beginning where God's ruah was hovering over the shapeless mass, over the waters, you can look at that and you can say, that's just the breath of God. Or you can use a little bit of understanding to what's being said poetically, that God's spirit was there. And you see, Paul who's a Jew, thoroughly steeped in the Jewish uh, Testaments. When he says, all scripture is God breathed, he's saying his Ruah is in there. Now, for context, let me remind you that when Paul said that, the New Testament wasn't collected yet. In fact, parts of it weren't written yet. So when Paul was saying all Scripture is God-breathed, what was he referring to? To the Old Testament, right? To the Hebrew Bible, to the Hebrew Scriptures. We make a mistake when we think that, that, that just the New Testament contains things about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit only moved in the New Testament. He was moving over the shapeless mass that became the world in the beginning. And His Spirit is there working in men and women through time from the beginning. Paul would agree with the psalmist who says in Psalm 119, That thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm a little behind. There we go. And then in Hebrews 4, the writer says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates even, dividing soul and spirit, joint and uh, marrow, And it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Mm. Living, inactive. Why? Because God's Ruah is moving through a scripture. Friends, God can talk to us in a myriad of different ways. But the way he talks to us most clearly is in what he has already said. And he never acts inconsistent with that. Also, on our own, we cannot understand the truths of God. Over in 1 Corinthians 2, we read, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. And he can't understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What's that mean, spiritually discerned? It means the Spirit has to help us to understand it. Okay? Now, I want you to think about it. This way. When you begin to do the things that you do understand and the things you don't understand, you begin to understand. Understand? (laughs) Let me unpack that for you. God has spoken through his word, through his guiding spirit. And when we do the things that we know... Believe it or not, the more we follow after our shepherd, the more we understand his ways. And we begin to understand more. So think of it this way. God is always pursuing us. His word tells us that. If we pursue him as he has told us to do through reading, learning, sharpening iron, right, learning from each other, serving, doing the things he's asked us to do, then we're going to understand more about God. Now, you may say, Eric, I I just don't know where to start. Okay, well, let me help you with that. If you want an indwelling counselor, the Spirit of God, Scripture's clear. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And you will receive the gift of the Spirit with forgiveness of sin. If you want to know how to live life, pick up your Bible. Or these days, pick up your phone and open the Bible app and read it there. They even make it easier. If you look, there are many translations. Somebody's actually read it to you. You can push the read button and listen to it while you drive. But if you really don't know what to do, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7:7, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and it will be revealed to you. Paul, over in 2 Timothy 2.15, do you know what he says? It's the S word. you know what it is? Study. What's the difference between reading and studying? Do they go together? Do they go together? Okay, what's the difference between reading and studying? i tell you what it is. I had books I had to read... When I was in college, and I'd sit down, and I'd spend an hour trying to read through about 10 pages, and when I got up, I didn't have a clue what I read. Can I get an amen? Anybody been there? Anybody still there? Okay. But if I want to study that, what have I got to do? Okay, let me go back and read this paragraph. Do I understand what that says? The next paragraph. Okay, if I got what this says on this page, these next two pages, I may have to read it multiple times. But then I have to stop and go, what did I read? How does that work? How is it that that we hear the voice of God? Well, maybe it's like, like a baseball mitt. That, that thing's flying, his word's flying at us, and maybe I've got to anticipate it and I've got to grab it. Right. See, that kind of thing comes out of study. Paul says we need to know the word of God so that we can correctly handle the word of truth. And maybe you're not at that point. Maybe what you need to do is just go back to Exodus 20 and start with the Big Ten. Put God first in your life. And do what those Ten Commandments tell you to do. Or if you want it soft but hard, go to Matthew 5. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. How about memorize that so that the word gets into you. Because what is in you is what comes out of you. And if you put your mind on good things and on things of God, you are going to wind up getting so full of him and his word That's what's going to come out. Yep, I've been there. I've read things a thousand times through. And in fact, I've gotten to that point where sometimes it's the thousand and first time before a light bulb goes off. You ever had that that experience? It just all of a sudden becomes clear. Let me tell you about one of those John 21, John 21. You know anything about John? We're talking about that last chapter, right? Uh, Jesus has gone all the way through his life. He's actually been condemned and killed. He's been in the grave for three days. He's come out. In fact, people have seen him walking around. And Peter decides he's just going to go fishing. He's pretty well done. Some of the other guys go with him. And then Jesus is on shore. We talked about this just a couple weeks ago, right? And he calls to them. They realize it's him. They come in. And then, after they have a little bit of breakfast, Jesus goes walking along the beach with Peter. And he tells Peter, feed my sheep. Look after my lambs. Feed my sheep. You're familiar with this story, aren't you? I've read that over a thousand times. But one day I was reading it and it all of a sudden occurred to me, stupid person I am, this happened after the resurrection. Now I know to you that, that seems like, duh. But think about this. This happened after Peter's denials. After him cussing and cursing is Christ. After he had already decided he was done. And Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, get over it. I have a job for you. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. You see, coming to the understanding that that was after Peter's sin and after he did the one thing that would force Christ to move as far away from him as possible, it occurred to me that Peter was still valuable to God. And if Peter was valuable to God, Then maybe I am too. And that didn't come from reading it once. That didn't come from hearing it in Sunday school. That came after a repetition and looking and really examining it. Friend, have you made an absolute mess of your life? Congratulations, you're in good company. And God has a place for you. You see, moments of clarity that come when we're reading Scripture is God speaking to us. Okay? That is His voice. Now, understand, I'm not trying to make this something mystical, okay? I want you to realize that God has been speaking to you. All along. And I want you to consider the weight of that. Because sometimes we want the Holy Spirit to just reach out and grab us. Yet, we don't even stop to recognize the times that he's already reached out. That he's already helped us. That he's already touched us with his revelation through his word. And given us understanding. And that has come from his spirit that inhabits the word. To have those moments of clarity, friend, is to have an encounter with God. That's to hear his voice. The other major way that God speaks to us is through prayer. Romans 8, Paul writes in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groans and words cannot express. And then in the next verse in 27, he says, The Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. Why do we need the Holy Spirit's help when we pray? Well, verse 26, is because we're we do don't, weak. We don't always know what to pray. We don't even know how to pray. And sometimes the most effective prayers is just listening and saying, God, I'm here and help me. What advantage does the Holy Spirit have when we pray that that we do not? He already knows his will. He already knows the will of the Father. He already knows your heart. He's just waiting for you to listen. And the Holy Spirit does that for us because God stands in the gap. Where he's always stood. Not just between us and our sin when he was on the cross and he paid redemption's price. But also when we we lack understanding. And we're seeking him out. He meets us more than halfway. Jeremiah 33. God says... Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. But what's it start with? Call. Be open. Be anticipating so you can catch it. Genuine prayer does not lead to a meeting with God, it is a meeting with God. There in your bulletin on the sermon notes, you see a diagram. It should look something like this. And, and here's what I'm talking about today. The Holy Spirit comes through and the message of God comes through the Word. When we pray and we meditate on the Word, on God, the Holy Spirit speaks through that. And here's the big thing. When we understand what it is that we're supposed to do, we have to adjust to go where He wants us to go. That adjustment might be little. It might be something huge. But I can tell you this, it's always to your advantage to adjust to where God is and what God is doing and to see what he can do through you when you are following him. You follow me? Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? Okay. Prayer is a conversation between you and... And God, we talk and we also listen. Expect God to answer prayer and then stick around for the answer. When you pray, do you ever relate that back to anything that's going on in your life? Have you had times when you could do that? Yeah? When something unusual happens, there I am. When something unusual happens during the course of your day, do you view it as a distraction or an inconvenience or as an opportunity? Have you ever been stuck in an airport because you missed a connecting flight and you're going to have to be there for a couple of hours? Have you ever stopped to say, (laughs) <laughs> or perhaps, okay, God, you know what's going on here. Um, who is it that's here in this airport that you want me to speak to? Who is it I can encourage? You ever looked around at all those people going this way and that way, going to various gates, trying to get out of there, rushing around? and wondered which one of those souls that God has held you up to encourage and been open to that? Do you find the opportunity in a flat tire, in a computer crash? My computer crashed one day at 3 o'clock on a Friday in 2007 I had not printed off my sermon yet. I hadn't even printed out the notes. And it would be 8.30 Saturday night before a brand new hard drive, which had none of my information on it, would be reinstalled. That was my first and only all-nighter that I did at Salem Church of Christ. Because I had to load back all of my library, my, my, my theological library, get everything up. And then I had to remember what it was I wrote so that I could rewrite it, so that I could preach on Sunday. And I got finished, I think it was 8.30 Sunday morning. The gentleman that run... The computer shop. He was in church. He got burned. He'd been out of the church. He wasn't going back. And that Friday and Saturday, where we spent several hours on Friday and I was there for about 12 hours on Saturday talking with him, developed into 10 years of being able to sit with this gentleman and with his uh, co-worker and to try to breathe some life back into him. And he did come to the church and we did have some meaningful conversations. But would that have happened if I wasn't inconvenienced? I don't know. That's the way God chose to do it, to put me into his life and put his life into mine. Do you see the opportunity of being caught in a long line at Walmart? Do you see the opportunity to share Christ in it? Are you looking for souls that Jesus loved and died for that maybe you can encourage? Friend, here's the thing. There's no sense in asking God for guidance if we're not going to look for where he's guiding us. Even in those divine appointments that look like interruptions in what we're trying to do. There's no point in asking God to use us to further his kingdom if we're not looking for those opportunities to share Christ. But what if he doesn't answer my prayer? You remember a guy by the name of Lazarus? Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and he got sick, and he died. And Jesus, though he got the word maybe in time enough to get there, didn't go. In fact, he waited four days. Why? Because everybody knew after four days that Lazarus was what? Yes. And, and where I come from, that's a two-syllable word, dead. He was dead, right? In fact, Mary and Martha, when Jesus showed up, they both hit him with almost exactly the same words. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. What were they looking at? Understandable. I would be grieving too. Yes? But they're looking at what didn't happen instead of what could happen. Why was it Jesus delayed? Because he knew Lazarus would live again. This was a teachable moment. It was painful for those two ladies. But it was a teachable moment. Jesus even said, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Friends, we know God's timing is not always our timing. We know that God wants more for us than what we can possibly imagine. But are you willing to say, okay, God, what have you got? You see, if Jesus had healed Lazarus, they would have missed out on something crucial in seeing the glory of God, in seeing an undisputed resurrection. <laughs> it's going to happen again, is it not? Yes. See, sometimes God's silence may mean that there's something far greater waiting in store for us than we can imagine we can respond to his silence by being discouraged suffering guilt self-condemnation or we can adopt that attitude of expectancy that God is about to bring us some deeper knowledge about himself. He's about to reveal himself in an unexpected way through our circumstance. When God is silent, the attitude we choose will make a huge difference in how we experience him and how we view his answer to our request. And friend, he will never lead you in opposition to his word. Never. The word of God tells us to put our trust, our faith, our hope in his son, Jesus Christ, and in his death to cover all of our sins and to take up our own cross. And follow him. And if you do that. I know. That you will know. His voice. In a moment you're going to have an opportunity to respond. To be obedient to what you already know God is calling you to do. If you want to utilize the cards for that. Do that. Among other things, accountability is a positive step towards maturity. If you want to understand his way more fully, you want to be baptized into Christ, you want to have a conversation with that, utilize that card. You want to have your sins washed away, you want to receive God's Spirit as your guide, as your counselor. Counselor. I want you to make that commitment. Do what you know to do. And your understanding of him will deepen. Father God, we thank you for the ways that you have already spoken. Even in times when Men and women just simply weren't listening. But we thank you that through your, in your spirit, that there is a record of how you move throughout this world through time and how you are still moving today through that same spirit. Father, as we open your word and as we consider what it is you would have us do. May we listen for your voice. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing with us if you would, please.